0: Now, it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we hear of one of the most, if not the most, important topics in all of the Gospels or Sacred Scripture. How many will be saved? Who will be saved? Now, this is a question that has vexed people throughout the centuries, who actually will be saved. Now, if you notice, over the past few weeks, our gospel messages have become progressively harder and harder for us to understand. Great example, just last week, you know, Jesus in the gospel, he says, you know, I've come to set the earth on fire on how I wish it already were blazing. And then he tells us that, he wants to divide households 2 against 3 and 3 against 2 now when we first heard that we were disturbed and alarmed but then later on we got to understand what Jesus's message was all about well now this week Jesus it seems like he turns it up several notches now he talks about something that we are all asking you know, who really will be saved and how many will be saved Again, this is something that people have asked throughout the centuries. Even great theologians in our church have been vexed with this question. If you look at the writings of St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, they wrote and believed that only a few would be saved. In fact, St. Augustine wrote that most belong to the Massa Damnata, which is the mass of those who are damned to hell. But if you read the writings of St. Origen, as well as St. John Chrysostom, they will tell you that everyone is going to be saved. If you look at the generations of our time, each generation has been preoccupied with this question, but in a different way. If you look at generations that grew up before Vatican II, in which the church strongly emphasized mortal sin, That mortal sin was the pathway to hell. Essentially, the byproduct that was created was the people perceived God as a judge, as a God that's ready to pounce on our least mistake, in fact, enjoys sending us to hell. Well, after Vatican II, the pendulum swung the other way. Then the church, for generations on end, emphasized not necessarily sin, but God's love. The church basically taught that we shouldn't be obsessed with sin, but instead rely upon God's love. The byproduct of that, everyone's saved. Now, both perspectives are not good. And yet, the perspective that hey, everyone is saved is probably worse. Why? Because there's the tendency for people to be utterly indifferent to spiritual things. If they truly believed, you know, that we're all saved, Regardless of however we live our life, whether or not we even live out our faith life, we're going to be saved. That's very dangerous. In fact, I would argue it paves the way to secularism, especially secularism that has so strongly permeated our church. If we really think that everyone is going to go to heaven, regardless of the life that we live, then it begs the question, why bother living a life devoted to Christ? Why bother living out your faith? Why bother coming to mass and praying every day? We might as well just close up all the churches because it doesn't make a difference. We're all going to be saved. Instead, we should focus all of our attention on ourselves, making a lot of money and not sharing it with others, satisfying every pleasure that we want in this world, indulging in the secular lifestyle that promotes, you know, the individual That God should be pushed aside is no longer the center of this universe or life. Instead, the individual is. And therefore, the world is for the individual. The individual is the sole arbiter of what is morally right and wrong, not God. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want people to be terrified of God such that they're enslaved to practice their faith. At the same time, I don't want people to be indifferent in their faith. They don't care about it. You know, they think practicing the faith is trivial because we're all going to be saved. Well, what we have to do is look precisely at what Jesus said, how he answered this question. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Jesus is asked an abstract philosophical question. And his answer is very personal. Jesus is trying to accomplish something great, salvation. And yet he's telling us it's not going to be easy for us. Good analogy of this is getting into shape. Something great, it is. You know, getting our bodies into shape, good physical health, mind, body, and soul. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult from time to time. The first thing we do is we get a good trainer. He maps out a plan for us, say, nutrition and exercise. Now, is this really going to be easy for us all the time? No. Sometimes that's going to be hard. Why? Well, maybe we're used to, you know, working at a very hectic pace in the morning, and then we don't have time for lunch. We just want to grab something and go because our afternoons are equally as hectic. So what do we do? We get stuff that's easy, a Big Mac, a slice of pizza, a sandwich at the gas station. Grab it, get it, and we're ready to go again. Now, say around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, blood sugar starts going down, we feel lethargic, so what do we do? We're used to grabbing a candy bar or some cookies you know, to give us that boost, to help us you know, continue on through the afternoon. Finally, at the end of the day, we're finished working. We go home. We're tired. So what do we do? We fall into a chair or on the couch and we take a nap. Now you tell your trainer that you do all these things. What does he say to you? Absolutely not. You know, you can't do this anymore. Instead, for lunch, you eat fruits and vegetables. For that snack in the afternoon, you eat a banana or an orange. When you get home, You don't take a nap. You go walk around the block a few times. That will get your energy back. You also are going to exercise every day. If you're a morning person, you're going to get up an hour before you normally get up, and you're going to go exercise. If you're not a morning person, at night, after dinner, you're not going to go into the living room and watch TV for the rest of the night. Uh Uh-uh. You're going out there. You're going to ride your bike, run around the neighborhood, or swim laps. You're going to exercise. Now, is this easy? No, not necessarily. It seems difficult. Again, but what are we trying? We're trying something great. We're trying to get into shape. Now, many have done this. Some have stuck to it. Some have gone by the wayside. They've given up. Again, apply this to the gospel. You know, the path to good shape is a very narrow path. Some are able to walk it. Others not. Now, you say to your trainer, How many people this year in America will get into shape? 25% of Americans, a third of the country, half of the country will try and get into shape. If you have a good trainer, he'll say to you, you know, don't worry about them. Instead, worry about yourself. Stay focused on yourself rather than others and tend to the business of getting into shape. See, I think that's the answer that Jesus gives this person that asked the question, Again, it's an abstract question, but the answer that Jesus gives is very personal. What does he really say? Hey, don't worry about the rest of the people. You know, God will take care of them. Instead, worry about yourself. As Paul says in Corinthians, we must work out our way to salvation. When Jesus is saying, you know, strive to enter the narrow gate, what is he referring to? Well, that gate is Jesus himself. Therefore, we must conform ourselves to Christ such that we surrender to God's grace and allow God's grace to flow through every aspect of our daily lives. See, this is what it's meant to participate in God's life. And we can do this. We can all do this. We can conform our life to Christ, take on a life of Christ that we share. See, then we can pass through that gate. Now you say to yourself, well, what does that mean to conform my life to Christ? What does that look like? Well, you're doing it right now, going to Mass every weekend, fulfilling your obligation. Going to Mass is the best and the greatest way you can conform your life to Christ. Because what do you do at Mass? You take in Christ literally, his body, his blood, also his word. It shapes you. Now, through the Eucharist, you participate in a life with Christ. You do it every time you pray. Prayer is a link or a lifeline to the divine. So, every time we pray, we conform ourselves to Christ. Every time we perform the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, we conform, we share our life with Christ. See, everything in the spiritual life, the sacraments, doctrine, dogma, sacred scripture, the stations of the cross, the rosary, these things are all meant to bring us into conformity with Christ, into God's way of being. See, that's the way to eternal life. Now, is this soft language? No. In fact, it requires a challenge. We conform ourselves to Christ. Is it always going to be easy? No, it won't. You know, go back to that analogy of getting into shape. Is it always going to be easy? No. There's going to be times in which we're going to say to ourselves at lunch, you know, I just have this craving for a Big Mac or a pizza. You know, I can, if I can just have one piece of pizza, but then again, we say, you know, I, I want to lose 10 more pounds. I want to stay in shape. So we resist. Or maybe we are so tired at the end of the day from work, we say, you know, I just can't exercise today. You know, I just want to lay down. But then again, we say, no, I want to continue to exercise and grow in greater physical health. So you summon the strength to go on that bike and take a long ride. We'll apply that to the spiritual life. You know, say it's the dead of winter. It's very cold on a Sunday morning. You say to yourself, no, I just want to stay in bed. I don't want to go out there. But you say to yourself, no, I do. I want to go to church, mass. I want to receive the body and blood of Christ because I know that is the greatest vehicle that helps me share life with Christ. We're so hectic in our work life. We say, you know, I just don't have time to pray today, maybe tomorrow. Then again, we say, no, I've got to find time. I've got to carve out a little bit of time because I know that prayer gives me a sense of peace and direction. And so we do it. You know, is it hard, you know, to live out the spiritual life, to conform our lives to Christ? Yeah, it can be from time to time. Is it hard to get into shape? Yeah, it can be from time to time. Look at life. Is life always easy? No, it's not. You know, when things get hard, what do we do? Do we go into a corner and crawl up into a little ball? No, we stand up and we face the challenges of life and we persevere. See, that's why we walk the path of Christ and we walk it with a cross to remind us that sometimes in the spiritual life, conforming our life to Christ is not going to be easy. Now, what we have to realize, the gate of heaven is narrow and it's not because God is cruel and malicious. Not at all. That's just like saying our trainers, our physicians, our dietitians they are not cruel and malicious. They all want for us to have good health. Therefore, the gate of heaven is narrow precisely because it's in the shape of Jesus Christ himself. It looks like Christ because the gate is Jesus Christ. See, that's the reason why we must conform ourselves to Christ. Go back to that original question. But I would say, put it aside. Instead, focus on our mission. Strive to enter the narrow gate. And we can. Conform our lives to Christ. We can. Is it easy? No, not always, but not impossible. See, that's why this gospel is something we should not be afraid of. Instead, this gospel message is something that we should embrace with a great deal of excitement. Why? Because in conforming our life to Christ, something great is going to await us. And what is that? Salvation and eternal life with Christ. And that is something for us to truly rejoice in. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.